and happy Friday, America. My name is Mike Turk, and I welcome you to the last bastion of freedom, the Simple Answers Podcast. Today is Friday, August 24th, and we tackle another, another controversial topic, vaccinations. Does vaccinating your child mean you're a terrible parent, or are you just spreading mass autism? We're going to decide this and give you the facts. This is the 16th episode of the Simple Answers Podcast. Stay tuned for more. I want to welcome you to the podcast officially, and uh, I will say that I am all alone today. Uh, We're trying out a little different thing. We got a couple different cameras set up, so wave hi to camera one and wave hi to camera two. Um... They're on a little different angles, so I hope that if you're watching the YouTube that uh, you actually enjoy this uh, this variation. Uh, you will not be able to see the the uh, normal back screen that we have, the Declaration, the Constitution, and the uh, American flag, but that's okay. Um, I feel like this is a little bit more intimate. Um, I didn't want to stand for the, the half hour or so that I'm going to be talking, and uh, I felt like I needed my computer, so this was just kind of how uh, how it all came together. I, I know my wife wanted a little bit more of an intimate setting, so uh, hopefully I'll, I'll remember to actually talk to the cameras so you guys can actually see me, eye contact. That's always a great thing. So uh, what we're going to be talking about today, and, and before I dive into vaccinations, I, I, I want to bring up this, this very crucial topic because of uh, two articles that I read, one coming out of the BBC and one coming out of CNN. But before that, I just want to remind everybody that we do have a ton of social media and it's growing each and every day. And thank you to each and every single one of you of the 1787 Army. If you want to join the 1787 Army, um, Facebook, facebook.com slash 1787 Media Network. Hit that like button on our page. You can see all of the daily updates that we do and we do post multiple times daily uh, on YouTube. Click that big red subscribe button. It helps us grow our content and be able to keep influencing the uh, the the media. You would say the I would say revolutionary media as we are. Uh, and don't forget to click that little bell icon to notify yourself of every single time one of our videos goes live. If you're more of a Twitter and you like to tweet out stuff, you could do that too. Um, we, uh, we use hashtag 1787 Media Network or hashtag Simple Answers Podcast. And uh, you could follow us at 1787 Media Net. And if you just like to listen to our sultry voices, not mine, but mostly Gerard's, uh, you can do it both on SoundCloud and, uh, and or iTunes now. So just go on there and search Simple Answers Podcast or 1787 Media Network. You'll come to both pages and uh, make sure you follow us there too. So we have a growing army and it's amazing. And we just want to thank each and every single one of you guys because you've all been tremendously amazing in helping us get the word out on true news stories. So we're going to dive right into these true news stories. So the first one that I, I ended up coming across was a CNN article. And yeah, sometimes I do actually read CNN. It's kind of scary. Um, but the, C, uh, the CNN uh, was posted on uh, August 15th. It was a Wednesday. This article was written by uh, Susan Scutti, S-C-U-T-T-I. I apologize to her if I'm butchering her name, but honestly, I don't really care. Um, 
And the article titles, At Least 107 Measles Cases Confirmed Across 21 States. Um, and, you know, it, it dives into uh, more than 100 cases of measles have been diagnosed this year in 21 states and the uh, District of Columbia, according to the U.S. Center for Disease Control, which is also the CDC for people who don't know. Um they do a half uh, a half a year update on um, on a lot of the contagious diseases. Uh, this was their first half year. So from January 1st through July 14th, the CDC recorded 107 measles patients living in a multitude of states, um, anywhere from Arkansas, California, North Carolina, New York, and a bunch of others. Um, the... Um, it goes on to say the CDC's 2018 mid-year measles report appears high in comparison of recent years. Uh, in all of 2017, there was only 118 people from 15 states. And in 2016, 86 people from 19 states. Um, however, 2014 saw a record number of measles cases in the United States, um, reaching 667 cases in 27 states. Um, of those about half were one single large outbreak that they were able to, to contain, but it does go on to say that the total number of cases that that year, meaning 2014 is the highest number since measles elimination was declared in the U S in 2000. And we do have to make a, 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 a differentiation between elimination and eradication. So eradication is when it no longer exists and elimination is just defined as the absence of continuous transmission for 12 months or more in a specific geographic area. So in the United States, we've said it's been eliminated um, because we haven't seen it transmitted uh, for more than, you know, X amount of time. So 12 months or more. Um, so this was kind of alarming and I was sitting there like everyone gets the MMR. I gave my kids the MMR vaccine. And if you don't know what the MMR is, it's the measles, mumps and rubella vaccine. And it's a very, very highly effective vaccine. This, this article actually points it out. One dose is 93% effective. If you come into the second dose, which you're supposed to get, um, once you're like four to six, um, it becomes 97% effective. So this is a extremely, extremely effective, um, vaccine. And you know, it, it we say that a lot of these are coming in from other countries. Um, you know, we fly to Europe we meet somebody there that has measles, we contract measles, we bring it back. Um, they're saying a lot of that is, uh, is prevalent, but they're also uh, stating that the increasing number of unvaccinated infants um, are not just especially susceptible to the measles, um, but now we're looking at this is why we're why we're seeing measles is because of so many uh, unvaccinated people um, that are now coming of age to, you know, to 
to go to other countries and have measles and then bring it back. Um, and one thing to note that this article actually ends on is measles is one of the leading causes of death for children, according to the World Health Organization or the WHO. The WHO, the World Health Organization, estimates that 450 children die each day worldwide due to measles. That's like nuts. And to think that in America, we're saying it's eliminated. Like, it's not extinct. It's not eradicated. We still have it, as you see. But we're, Americans are not giving it to Americans. Um, as much as say Europeans are giving it to Europeans. Now this is where I wanted to bring in the BBC article because I felt it, uh, kind of hit the, uh, the other side of this coin. And I don't honestly know who wrote this for the, uh, the BBC, but this was, uh, posted August 20th of of this year and it uh titles measles causes hit me i'm sorry measles cases hit record high in europe so according to the world health organization more than 41,000 people have been infected in the first six months of 2018 leading to 37 deaths last year 2017 there were 23,927 cases and the year before 5,273 experts from the world health organization. And this is talking being very specific about European countries. Um, experts blame this surge in infections on a drop in the number of people being vaccinated. So they're seeing a trend here. One of the things that I wanted to bring up a little later, which was the controversy behind the MMR and everyone thinks it causes autism and oh my God, they actually note that here. The MMR vaccine can prevent infection, but discredited research 20 years ago that erroneously linked MMR to autism have stopped people from trusting the vaccine. Um, and this is, this is very important stuff. Um, I mean, it goes into... A bunch of other uh, statements. Uh, Dr. Mary Ramsey, head of um, uh, immunization at uh, the PHE, uh, which is the Public Health of England, uh, has actually stated uh, the majority of cases we are seeing in Europe are teenagers and young adults who missed out on their MMR vaccine when they were children. So either... Parents didn't give it to them or chose not to. And um, maybe they didn't have, you know, the the availability of of health care and such when they were children. So they didn't they didn't get it then. Uh, but these children are growing up. They go to another country or they run into someone who has it, maybe another young adult or whatnot. They now contract it because they don't have the the antibodies built up and. And boom, now we're now we're spreading measles like wildfire. Um, so this was actually very very interesting um, because it is a very highly contagious disease. I mean, extremely contagious. It's airborne. It goes through our um, like when we sneeze or cough. I mean, it's very contagious. It incubates for about ten days, and then you might start seeing symptoms. Um, but it's 
it's one of those things where this brings up the whole, you know, um, the whole discussion of are vaccines safe? And believe me, I want to put out the disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to medical school. I didn't go to eight years to learn about, you know, immunizations and vaccinations and such, but I am a paramedic. And if someone was to come to me for medical advice, I would 100% sit there and go, yeah, get your kids vaccinated. Like, duh, there, the science behind it, and we're going to go through the science behind it has proven that vaccinations are safe. The people that are becoming unsafe are the people that don't have the vaccinations and you're the ones that are causing the issues. So what is a vaccine? So I want to start in very, very simple terms. What is a vaccine? So vaccines literally are developers of the vaccine, whether it be a pharmaceutical company or whatever, uh, take a weakened and or not alive portion of the virus. So yes, there are types of viruses um, or bacteria that we do inject live, but those are not as prevalent as like all of your, all of the childhood ones are not live virus. Um, if we still gave out smallpox, that would be a live virus. We, but we don't even give that out because the world health organization has said it has been eradicated since 1980. So we stopped giving out smallpox vaccines. We will get into smallpox because smallpox is something I bring up for a very specific purpose. So if I'm going to get, you know, the the flu shot or the MMR or something like that, they literally take um, measles, mumps, and rubella, weaken it down or deaden it, inject it into the, into the child system, which then exposes them to a number of these invaders, we'll say, and the body goes in, identifies the invaders, attacks the invaders, and then builds up antibodies or immunities to said disease. So when the real thing, if the real thing ever came about, they would already have defense mechanisms. They have built the wall to these um, to these foreign invader bodies. So now their body is, uh, better equipped to fight off the disease. So they don't even become sick. And that's, that's the hope of a vaccination. If you, if you think about vaccinations in, in that form, um, the amount of bacteria or viral matter or, or uh, invader cell that's going into your child is actually such a low dose compared to anything that your child sees go into his body on a daily basis. I mean, we touch kids, touch floors, kids eat stuff, they eat dirt, they, eat, you know, whatever they get their hands on, especially at this age. So they're just on a daily basis. Your kid is getting flooded with millions and millions and millions of different types of germs and every single one the body's fighting developing antibodies for so the next time that your child eats dirt and gets whatever you know 
bacteria X in their system, it doesn't make them sick. So the minute amount of measles, mumps, and rubella that goes into your system twice is minute to what they would get on a Monday. And I think that's very important to keep in the back of your heads when you're thinking, oh my God, I, I'm, in, I'm introducing so many terrible things into my kid. Well, just them being alive is introducing 400 million times more than one vaccination. So now let's go into history. We love history on this on this channel, and and one of the things that um, I love doing is proving things with history. So, when do you think I I, I pose this to the viewers? The viewers, my camera's over here now for this for this uh, for this episode. I'm sorry. Um, I pose this to the viewers at home and the listeners. When do you think the first vaccine was made? Eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred. When do you think the first written vaccination was actually May fourteenth of seventeen ninety six? A uh, English uh, medical student named Edward Jenner uh, took the fluid from a cowpox blister and scratched it into a uh, eight-year-old boy's skin. His uh, the eight-year-old boy's name was James Phipps, and the uh, a single blister rose up on the spot that he scratched it into the skin. But after about a month or so, uh, James recovered, and on July first. Uh, Dr. Jenner inoculated the boy again. This time, the uh, the small the smallpox matter um, showed nothing, so the kid was inoculated, and he wrote down in his journals that the vaccine was a success. So this was the first written like, "Oh my God, this happened!" So for over two hundred years, we have been using vaccinations. So. Someone can't tell me, oh, I'm sorry, this started in 1900 or 1940 and no one before that was vaccinated. That's wrong because people were vaccinated. It was a little different in the forms of how they became vaccinated, but they became vaccinated. It is not a new science. This has been around for 200 plus years. So one of the funny things is... um, that article, um, seven, like I said, 1796 is, uh, is the first written account. When you actually type in first vaccination, that's what pops up. But if you, um, if you know American history and you, and you love our first, uh, commander in chief and first president, uh, George Washington, and you go to, uh, mountvernon.org, they actually have a fun festive story. Um, where George Washington actually wrote down in in his memoirs, um, which is how Mount Vernon uh, came to know of this information, that his struggle was real in in 1775 during uh, the American Revolution when smallpox was killing thousands of people in the colonies. Um, the British had brought it over 
there was only one outbreak in Virginia before the um, one smallpox outbreak in Virginia prior to the American Revolution. After the American Revolution, it was seen in homesteads and cities and everywhere around Virginia. Uh, George Washington was actually uh, very lucky. He left the country in uh, 1751 to visit Barbados, where he actually contracted smallpox shortly after. Had a little bit of scarring, but ultimately was inoculated to and immune to the disease later on. So when it started, you know, really tripping up in uh, in the mid 1770s, um, he was pretty safe, which really did wonders because his his camps really were were ravished by smallpox. He was losing, you know, a third. He was always worried that he was going to lose a third of his army to smallpox. And one of the things that he actually instituted a system where new recruits would, and this literally is right off of Mount Vernon, uh, org. Um, Washington eventually instituted a system where new recruits would be inoculated with smallpox immediately upon enlistment. It usually happened. Um, they would like make three little incisions in the arm and, and take smallpox, um, from an actual smallpox, a person, they would pop a blister, take the uh, take the remnants of it and actually smear it into these open wounds to infect the person with a minor case of smallpox. Um, as a result, soldiers would contract a milder form of the disease at the same time they were being outfitted with uniforms and weapons. So eventually, soldiers would consist uh, consequently be uh, completely healed and it, uh, and inoculated and supplied by the time they left to join the army from basic training. So this is 1776 that this was happening, May of 1776. So even prior to 1796, 20 years, George Washington is having accounts where he's inoculating his army to be immune to this smallpox disaster that could that can ravish his army and really cost us the revolution. So the the idea that we're not inoculating people and we're not vaccinating people, you know, since 1900 is is completely false. Please do not believe it. There are documented historical records of such cases. So now, okay, you know, we say Mike, great, awesome, fantastic. We we heard all the all the history stuff. Where did all this uh, all this controversy go? I mean. It, everyone says that MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, causes uh, causes autism. Mike, you don't want to cause people autism, right? No, no, I don't want to cause people autism. And I and I feel like so many people want to jump on the bandwagon of, oh my God, we got we. There's another cause for autism. Well, there's there's no there's no known you know, um, no one really knows what causes autism or who's gonna get it. Um, I think this was just another ploy for blaming something to be the cause of autism when we're baffled on why it happens in the first place. So you saw a lot of, um, Jenny McCarthy in the late nineties, early two thousands, poking her head around and being like, Hey, my kid is autistic. I need somebody to blame for him being autistic, so I'm gonna blame his uh, his vaccinations. They they gave him autism, 
And where did she get this information from? She got this information from a, uh, a British now, then MD, uh, to be more specific, a gastroenterologist. Um, he is now debunked, debarred. I can't say debarred, but um, taken off of his medical board. So he is no longer a, uh, a British uh, MD. Uh, his name was uh, Andrew Wakefield. So in 1995, he, uh, he made a study that took 12 kids. And these 12 kids all were autistic. And they all had gastrointestinal disease. So he did a study to try and link the measles vaccine to the cause of the gastrointestinal disease. Nothing to do with autism. So time goes on a little bit later. Um, 1996 rolls around. He's still conducting that, uh, that 12 kid study. And I want you to be, I want this to be very specific. It was a 12 child study, all of which had autism. He's looking at measles linked to gastrointestinal disease. This whole paper was called the Lancet 12. Very important. So in 1996 rolls around, an attorney named Barr, how how interesting, um, works for the law firm uh, D.A.W. Barnes. I honestly have no idea how to say it. It's British. Sorry. Um, paid Wakefield 55,000 pounds, which was not disclosed until years later. He paid him 55,000 pounds to use Wakefield as an expert in legal cases where Barr was trying to prove that measles caused measles vaccine caused childhood disabilities, including autism. Also very important. So 1998 rolls around and this is where everybody goes, Oh, the 1998 Lancet 12 study, right? So, Wakefield, Dr. Wakefield at the time, from his 1995 study, is now ready to publish his study. So, in 1998, uh, he, he wants to voice his, uh, his findings of the Lancet 12 study in, uh, in the medical journals. So, the medical dis- journal actually described his research as an early report um, that it did not, and this is, quote, an early report that it did not prove an association between the MMR vaccine and the syndrome described. So I find that intriguing because um, we have to we have to think. So the journal is now saying, "Yep, nope, sorry, it's early data. We don't see any correlation." Um, eventually, this caught wind. The media took over and said, oh, we're going to run with it. The MMR vaccine now causes autism. Um, nobody, nobody went out and said, oh, hey, you know, let's try and debunk this. Eventually, more scientists and doctors replicated a study, found absolutely zero correlation between MMR and autism, um, debunking his entire paper. 
I, I can read this. So February of 28, 1999, a paper written by Wakefield and 12 other authors about 12 children with autism was published. Um, in it, the authors claim to have identified a new syndrome they called, and I'm literally just going to put it on the screen because I can't, I have no idea, autistic, I don't know, raised the possibility of a link between a novel form of bowel disease, autism, and the MMR vaccine. Um, so they're saying that they found a link and this is where everybody goes and goes, Oh my God, this is where the link comes from. MMR causes, you know, autism and blah, blah, blah. And they ran with it. Jenny McCarthy ran with it, went on every single thing that she could muster and sat there and screamed to the, you know, the shouting top rooftops going, Hey, MMR is bad. Vaccines are bad. You know, they're going to cause autism. They're going to kill your kid. No, that's not the case at all. This study, he, he blatantly lied. The journal wrote that it did not prove an association between MMR vaccine and the syndrome described. And eventually he was disqualified as a researcher and as a physician and, um, you know, he pretty much lied about the entire thing, um, with a nice big $55,000 payoff or 55,000 pound payoff. So why do, why this started in 1998? It's now 2018. Why 20 years later are we still seeing people go? Nope. I'm an anti-vaxxer. We can't have vaccines. I don't want to give my kids vaccines. Oh my God. There's, there's like so many things in vaccines that are so scary. So one of the things that a lot of people will sit there and go is, ah, well, we don't know the cause of what causes autism in the vaccines, but we're going to, we're going to say it's the mercury. Okay, cool. There's also less mercury in vaccines today than there is naturally occurring in the body because of what we eat that gets transferred to your kid via breast milk. So I would love, and this is literal data coming from the CDC website. So here's a, here's a fun fact. So, um, thimerosal is the mercury that they're talking about. Okay, and I want to say the human, this is directly read from the CDC website. Um, the human body eliminates the thimerosal easily. Um, it does not stay in the body a long time, so it does not build up to reach harmful levels. When it enters the body, it breaks down to two other chemicals, which are readily eliminated. So even if there is a fine... Uh, amount of um, the vaccine or I'm sorry, uh, the, the mercury chemical in your vaccine, it is going to eliminate from the body very quickly. It's almost like if you took your normal medication and it's half-life is X and your elimination life is Y. So there is no research was done by the FDA um, and it is concluded 
Research does not show any link between thimerosal in vaccines and autism. Many well-conducted studies have concluded that thimerosal uh, in vaccines does not contribute to the development of autism. Even after thimerosal was removed from almost all childhood vaccines, autism rates continued to increase, which is the opposite of what would have been expected if thimerosal caused autism. So this is the funny thing. In, 2000, in 2001, and again, completely off of the CDC website, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines do not and never did contain thimerosal. Varicella, which is another word for chickenpox, or uh, inactivated polio, and pneumococcal uh, conjunctate vaccines also never contained thimerosal. The influenza vaccines, which is flu, are currently available in both thimerosal-containing or thimerosal-free versions. So if, uh, if you're doing an influenza in a multi-use vial where, say, there's like 30 um, doses in one vial, then you will have uh, the minute amount of thimerosal in that, uh, that dosing because they need the sterilization each time you puncture the top of the vial. Um, if it's a single dose, you are going to have thimerosal free. So the idea that this thimerosal, oh my God, it causes so much problem. Literally, 2001, it does not and never did contain thimerosal. So another point, debunked, does not cause autism. You would have seen those rates go higher. So why do we vaccine? I, I, I wanted to get this stuff out of the way because it's interesting to know that People, vax, people are anti-vaxxers because of these reasons. There's chemicals in them that are going to make me autistic or get that are scary and I don't understand it. Or two, a debunked study from 20 years ago that was fraudulent and false but spewed on uh, the mainstream media as being legit by stupid B-list celebrities that, you know, we're in Playboy and scream like five, um, you know, pitched it on every single news outlet that they could. And when you spew lies long enough, they become truth. And now people that don't do their own research, that's all they know. They only know what they've been told over the last 20 years by these moron people that these things are dangerous. So, oh my God, I'm not going to give them stuff. So, I want to debunk a couple other things and I want to go over uh, the last couple points here in my last, like, closing minutes. The flu shot. Everyone goes, oh, well, I get the flu from the flu shot. So, you know, it's an experimentation. They, they must be not, you know, they must be hitting me with live virus. No. So the flu shot is made up. So there are millions of different types of the flu. You can Google it. I'm not going to go into how I know it. Medically speaking, there are thousands of, tra uh, thousands of strains of the flu. 
every single year the CDC and uh, medical, you know, companies, scientific companies go in and go, okay, well, we think that these X amount of strains are going to be the prevalent ones this year. And they go in and they say, okay, we're going to make the flu shot out of these 15 strains. I don't exactly know how many strains are in a flu shot, but we're going to say for lack of better knowledge, we're going to say it's 15. And then you go and get your flu shot and it's these 15 strains. But there's, you know, again, lack of a better knowledge, say there's a hundred strains of the flu. So now you're, you have 15 strains that are good. You're, you're inoculated from those 15 strains. Um, but this is the first time you ever got flu shot. So there's 85 more strains that you're not inoculated to. So yeah, in flu season, you still might get the flu because you caught something that wasn't in the vaccination. So it's not the flu shot causing the flu. It's the flu strain that you weren't inoculated to causing the flu. So that debunks that. You cannot get sick from something that is a non-live or active virus or bacteria. It's impossible. It can't happen. So that's debunk number one. Should we... Now, I pose this question to you to actually think about, and I would love to hear your comments about this entire subject. Do you vaccinate? Do you not vaccinate? Why your reasons for and against? Um, and this one, should the government tell you that you have to vaccinate your children? There are certain areas where you do. The government says if you want a child in public school, they have to be vaccinated. If you want to join the military, you have to be vaccinated. If you want to go to college, which is public school, you have to you have to get vaccinated. But should there be some sort of outreaching law that says every American, whether they like it or not, has to get vaccinated, period. End of story. No anti-vaxxer movement. Should that be? Um, I think there's a good case for it. Um, I also think, you know, people have the right to choose their own medical um, medical procedures, but this is where this is where it gets into the gray area, because if if you're dis, if you have cancer and you are deciding, okay, I don't want more medical treatment. I I've I've gone the gambit. I've done my chemo. I've done my radiation. And now I'm ready to give up, and I don't want it anymore. That decision is affecting you and you alone there is nobody else on the face of the earth that is affected by that decision now if you say i'm not getting vaccinated or you say to your kids i'm not getting these kids vaccinated now your decision is now affecting me and everyone around you so at that point, you re- the government would have to raise the, the question of, does the risk outweigh the benefit to allow this to happen? The risk is we have eradicated smallpox. One person doesn't get, or one person gets smallpox. We're all screwed. We've almost eliminated polio in the world. If we stop giving the polio vaccine, 
we're going to see polio make a comeback in the United States. Um, the same with measles. You think 107 cases are bad. What do you think about the 40,000 cases in, uh, in Europe? That will be coming here to America. All of these... I mean, literally, there wasn't even a vaccine for chickenpox, the varicella, when I was born. It, you got it. You had chickenpox parties because everyone who didn't want it sat there and was like, no, I, I'm staying away. You guys go live over at your friend's house because he has it, his dad has it, his mom has it. You guys can all have it together. We'll see you in a week. And then once you got it, you had it. I had the chickenpox already. I have a nice scar right here because I scratched the hell out of it. I was like six. I don't even remember. Stayed home from school. You know, my parents had chicken pox. My brother had chicken pox. I, I was the only one that didn't at the time. I caught it. Boom, I had chicken pox. I've never had it again. You know, I didn't need... When I went to medic school, they were like, oh, you need the varicella. I was like, no, I don't. I already had the virus. I got it already. Like, that's how it works. It wasn't even invented by the time I was born. Uh, Grant, I do have an increase in shingles, just like everybody does, but you know, that's, that's a whole horse of a different color. So why do we vaccinate? What is the purpose of it? It's very easy. If everybody vaccinates, you vaccinating are protecting me. If I vaccinate, I'm protecting you. I'm not protecting myself. I'm protecting the guy next door to me. Because as soon as, and, and, I, and we don't quote him very often here, but my wife really wanted me to bring this up. Thank you, Jess, for, for uh, making sure that I, I did the research on this specific, uh, on this specific quote. Uh, Bill Nye, again, not a great client science or climate scientist, um, but he had a very interesting point of view and a thing that we should mention here about vaccinations. Bill Nye went to went on to say, if if I'm inoculated for, um, say measles, and you're not. And you contract a strain of measles that I'm not inoculated for because you get measles and like you go to Europe, you come home, you had a nice vacation with your honey, you contracted measles while you were over there. It now, you know, mutates. I'm fine with the original. I'm fine. I'm inoculated to it. It's cool. But now it's burning through your system. It's working hard. Now it mutates. That's what diseases do. They grow and they mutate. So now it mutates. And what happens? Now I'm not inoculated to that mutation anymore. So now you're going to spread measles to everybody. Everyone who was inoculated before is now non-inoculated to the new strain of measles that you've just created because that's what diseases do. They grow and they prosper. So now we have a measles outbreak. People who don't get vaccinated are potential trouble. Uh, the reason you get vaccinated is to protect me from you. It is not about you. 
It's about me. Or if you're me, then you, me. And so uh, the thing is, if you don't get vaccinated, a germ can get in you and incubate and uh, mutate. And then you produce, right? Then you produce a new strain that everybody has to, everybody else's immune system has to deal with. And it's just one of those things that, like, I want to end, I I don't want to change anyone's mind here by me telling you, oh, you're stupid if you don't do it. Or, you know, oh my God, the evidence is so overwhelming. Why don't you just do it? That's true. But I want you to sit here and think about this. If you're on the fence and you're like, oh, well, should I do it? And it's just so many. It's so many because there is scientific data that proves the this is the the best possible time frame to give these inoculations so your child survives. There is a reason why your kid gets 15 shots before they're two. There's a reason for it. It's not because the doctors want to get paid. It's not because, you know, the the kid likes it. It's not because the nurses like to cause pain. It's because scientific data. And if anyone on the left wants to wants to debate scientific data to me, well, then I'm going to have to bring up the pointless scientific data about climate change that y'all believe. And all those crazy, like, flat earthers. If you want to believe in that science, but not the science of vaccinations, you can't pick and choose science. You can't do it. It doesn't exist that way. I'm sorry. So let me leave you with this last point. And I I was watching a video on vaccinations from another YouTube channel called Dr. Mike. Um, if you have never seen his his channel, it's huge. It's awesome. He's a legit doctor in New York City. You should... Google him right now. Um, he interviewed a lady on New York Street, like on the New York Street, uh, about autism and vaccinations. And her quote was amazing. And I leave you with this. This is what I want you to ponder tonight. Write your comments about what you ponder tonight about this quote. She said, I would rather have a kid with autism than a dead kid period end of story that is the argument would you rather your kid die of these diseases that are preventable 100 percent preventable would you rather your kid die from the preventable disease knowing that it was a preventable disease or would you rather have a child thrive and be autistic and you'll be able to grow up with them and see them and hold them. Yes, so what? You know, they're autistic. Maybe their life's a little harder. Maybe your life's a little harder. But at least they're alive. They're not dead. Think about it that way. That should be your argument. Period. End of story. This woman, like, blew my brain when she said that. And I, and I applaud her. I really do. Like, I applaud you for saying that because you broke 
the argument open right there. If I was standing in front of Jenny McCarthy, I would literally tell her that to my face. So I hope that you guys learn stuff. I know it's a lot of information to take in. I hope that you guys uh, found the information um, good and that we went over some some interesting points here, historical points and current points, uh, what these things are made out of, how they function. Uh, maybe you guys just don't know and we're, we're misinformed. Uh, most of this whole argument is just misinformation over the last 20 years that people just believe. Um, so again, we are on all types of social media, guys. Follow us on all of it. Please do. We post literally every day, every week on the YouTube channel. Uh, YouTube, um, you could search us at uh, 1787 Media Network. Hit that big red subscribe button. Hit that bell notification icon to make sure you know when all of our videos go live. Our Facebook page, we are uh, now over 500 followers, so help us get to 600 followers if you're brand new. This is the content that you get. Um, I want to start putting out content like this by myself if I don't have a, uh, a guest with me for the Friday podcast. So you guys are actually um, engaged and learning something at the time. We're not just bantering about, you know, political talking points all the time. Um, so follow us on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1787 Media Network, the Twitter account uh, at 1787 Media Net, and we are live on iTunes and SoundCloud. So search the Simple Answers Podcast or the 1787 Media Network on either one of those platforms and follow us there as well. Till next time, guys, we are the Simple Answers Podcast, the last bastion of freedom here in America as the left continues to try to misinform and misdirect us. So till next time, America, stay strong.